You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hey, so I want to talk about temptation, victory over temptation today. And I was reading this story, I thought it was pretty funny. It's actually from Reader's Digest from a while back, but it's still pretty funny. It says a man was on a diet and struggling. He had to go downtown, and as he started out, he remembered that his route would take him by the donut shop. As he got closer, he thought that a cup of coffee would hit the spot, but then he remembered his diet. So he prayed, Oh Lord, if you want me to stop for a donut and coffee, let there be a parking place in front of the shop. And he said, Sure enough, I found a parking place right in front on my seventh time around the block. That's pretty funny because I can almost relate to that. All right, so before I talk about temptation, though, I want to uh, have you get ready that we're going to have communion at the end of this message. So maybe you want to put this on pause and uh, maybe grab some bread. What I've got, I grabbed some grape juice, so something to represent the blood of Christ. So uh, grape juice, wine, uh, whatever. Uh, so right here, uh, i got some grape juice and uh, something to represent the body of Christ. Uh, so I've got some bread here. So uh, maybe you could use bread, cracker, something. But God sees what we do. God cares what we do. So uh, giving into temptation is disappointing. Giving into temptation uh, may hinder our spiritual growth. Giving into temptation may damage relationships or cause our family members to stumble or to live in a way that doesn't honor God because of our example. So, uh, Discipleship Journal, years ago, uh, asked their readers what some of the greatest spiritual challenges were, and maybe you can relate to some of these, materialism, pride, self-centeredness, laziness, anger and bitterness, sexual lust, envy, gluttony, and lying. So, um, survey respondents noted temptations were more potent when they had neglected their time with God when they were physically tired. Uh, Resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer, avoiding compromising situations, Bible study, and being accountable to someone. So memorizing verses two is huge. So Ralph Waldo Emerson had said, call on God, but row away from the rocks. And that is true, too. When we're right in the face of temptation, we surely don't want to be hanging out there uh, seeing if we're going to be successful. The best thing we can do is get out of there, get away from that danger. So Thomas Watson wrote, Who would have thought to have found adultery in David and drunkenness in Noah and cursing in Job? If God leaves a man to himself, how suddenly and scandalously may sin break forth in the holiest man on the earth? I say unto all, watch. A wandering heart needs a watchful eye. But George Sweeting from Moody Bible Institute said, Every temptation is an opportunity for us to draw near to God. So many times we can grow in the midst of temptation and trials. But so many times we get too comfortable, too comfortable with sin and temptation. So that's my first point. Number one, stay uncomfortable with temptation. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I don't do what I want to do, then I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Uh, Verse 21, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is within me. 
And then in Romans 8, 1, he says, Therefore, there is no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So many times we look at these verses and we're like, Paul, a great man of God, struggled with well, either temptation or sin. So it's not a sin to be tempted, but it is a sin to give in to temptation. So uh, when we're tempted to sin and we give in, then obviously we're uh, not in God's will, and Satan can use that to destroy us. But we often say, oh, the devil made me do it. Uh, God shouldn't tempt me. Uh, he shouldn't allow this to happen if he doesn't want me to fall, because he knows that I'm weak, or I've fallen so many times, I'm just comfortable in this, it's hard to say no to you. Uh, everybody's doing it. They might as well just give in. And another verse that we run to is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. that says it's by grace. We've been saved through faith, and this not from ourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we look at that, and we're like, okay, well, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved of the sins of the past. I'm saved of the sins of today. I'm saved for the sins that I commit tomorrow because of Jesus. Uh, sacrifice on the cross. He paid for my sin, and He is worthy and, uh, and effective. So therefore, I can just trust that everything's forgiven. I don't need to worry about anything. I can do what I want. But that's not the way that God wants you to live. That's not the way that you want to live. God wants you to uh, become a Christ follower, to repent of your sin, and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A great way to do that is by praying. Praying something like this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again, you ascended into heaven, you want to have a personal relationship with me. Someday you're coming back for me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Something like that, acknowledging your desire to follow Jesus. So it's not the actual words that save you, it's your desire to follow Jesus that saves you. All right, so we can say, okay, well, Jesus died for my sin. I'm forgiven of my sin. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to worry about saying no to this temptation stuff. But yes, you do, because you want to live a godly life. You want to live a life that's filled with power and joy, uh, one that influences people for good. Sure, it's a battle, and sure, it's difficult. But the more you resist temptation, the stronger you get. You know, when you exercise, and you, the more resistance you have, the stronger you get. The more endurance you build up, and the more fit you become. And God wants you to be fit for His purposes. Don't you want to be fit to follow after the Lord and to do His will? Would the most exciting thing in your life be if He used you to do something great, something eternally significant? If He used you in a place of honor and I mean, he could use you in many different ways. And there's many people who work behind the scenes. And I'm not saying if you work behind the scenes that you're not living for the Lord, because some of the people that work behind the scenes are the most faithful. But just look at this verse, okay? 2 Timothy 2, 21. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. It says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use, and your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Are you ready to be used for every good work? Are you ready for God to use you? If God said, whom shall I send? Can you say, send me? And he'll look at you and say, yes, you are ready. You are clean. You are who I want. You're the one that I want for this situation, for this opportunity to do this work, to share this message. So many times people sit there and they say, well, you know, if God doesn't want me to give into temptation, then he should quit tempting me. 
I'm not that strong. It's hard for me to say no. So many people around me are giving in and it just seems like what's everybody's doing it. So I might as well do it too. Or my, my family or my friends expect me to do this kind of thing. Yeah, I know God's word says it's not good, but that maybe that was just something from long ago. You know, we're, we're more uh, knowledgeable now. We're more uh, enlightened, but that's not the way that God wants us to live. And God doesn't tempt us. God does not tempt us. James 1.13, remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. A Bible commentary points out that tempted is the same Greek word that is translated trial, but clearly it has two different senses. God tests or tries believers' faith, but he does not tempt anyone into sin. God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 22, and God tested Job by allowing Satan to afflict him with all of his trials in Job 1 and 2. He tests both the righteous and the wicked to reveal their respective characters. With his people, the purpose of God's test is to refine our faith like gold or silver. Psalm 66.10 says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Many times God uses difficulties in the Christian life to build up our endurance, to build up our testimony, to build up our faith, uh, to be able to look back and to see how God has been faithful in the midst of difficulties. So many times we show our true faith to the Lord by remaining faithful even when we go through hard, difficult times. So God does not bring us an easy life. He wants us to live a holy life. 1 Peter 1.6 says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, God can test us to see if we're going to be faithful. Uh, But sometimes Satan takes that and he turns it into temptation for us to fall into sin. Turns us into temptation to try to destroy our lives, to destroy our faith, to short-circuit God using us or ministry or the people we're trying to reach out to, to try to cause us public shame. Um, Because of indwelling sin and the existence of Satan, every test may also become a temptation to sin. So God tests us to see if we're going to make the right choice, if we're going to trust him. You know that Malachi chapter 3 is the only place that says that we can test God, tells us to test God. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 challenges us to uh, renew our minds and to follow the Lord. Let's look at those. Malachi 3.10. It talks about tithing. So some people get put off by tithing. They're like, oh, that's in the Old Testament. Nobody needs to tithe. Well, actually giving back to God a portion of what he blesses you with is totally worship. Uh, Jesus never condemned tithing in the New Testament. Um, So getting hung up on the number 10%, I mean, some people are like, oh, 10% so much. Uh, Other people make so much money that 10% is nothing. So really what it's about is it's about you being faithful, giving back to God as an act of worship, and then he'll bless your finances as a result of it. So uh, starting at 10% of your paycheck, uh, giving that back to God through the church is a great way for you to show 
your obedience and your faithfulness. It helps uh, build the local church uh, and the church around the world. Uh, the church could, would be so uh, more effective and more powerful and have more resources and be able to provide to help so many more needs that people would actually tithe. Anyway, Malachi 3.10 says to bring the tithe, the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. He says to test us in that. Let's say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. It doesn't apply. It does. Uh, Try it. Uh, I can... I would attest that God has been faithful as I have been tithing over all of these years uh, to provide for us in miraculous ways. We are not rich, and we often uh, are in need of different things, but sometimes the most exciting thing about the adventure with the Lord is how He answers our prayers as we pray for our needs because we can't provide it on our own. So we seek Him, we ask, we knock, we pray, and He provides in amazing ways, often at the last minute, but He provides and guides, and uh, we trust Him with our finances, all of our finances, not just the stuff that we give back to Him. And then putting God first. So Romans 12, 1. So we're giving your money, but now you're not supposed to give yourself. So you're bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Uh, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So as you follow the Lord, as you read God's Word, as you apply it to your life, as the Holy Spirit helps you apply it to your life, you will know what is sin and what isn't sin and how you should live and how to please God. And you will live in God's will, which is what? Boring? Hard? Uh No, it's good and pleasing and perfect. So living for Jesus uh, fully and wholly leaves no regrets. And you always come out ahead when you put God first. So we become too comfortable with sin. We become too comfortable with things that are uh, destructive. And we're like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. So years ago, we needed, my wife and I, uh, and our young children, we needed a home to live in. So we had a little apartment condo, but it was too small. And we were praying for a house. Turns out some missionaries in Indonesia were praying for somebody to rent their house in my, near my work. So uh, anyway, uh, God answered both of our prayers at the same time. So he answered our prayer and their prayer because uh, we needed a place to rent and they needed renters. So we were able to move into this house. We found out from the renters that were there before that there were squirrels that were up in the attic, but they said, oh, well, it's not really a big deal. We leave them alone and they leave us alone. And that wasn't true when we got there because I had found the squirrel had found its way down the wall into the basement. So that wasn't good and had a dog and I didn't want to put the dog at risk. You could see the dog going crazy trying to chase the squirrel while we were gone. So anyway, it was time for the squirrels to go. And I talked to my neighbor across the street. He said, oh, the red squirrels are terrible. The red squirrels do so much damage and destruction. And he's like, I've been trapping the squirrels. And if it's a gray squirrel, I just let it go right away. But if it's a red squirrel, I remove it from the area. And he said that I could borrow his trap. So, uh... Um, I talked to the people that own the house or were running or managing the house, the missionary's brother. And he's like, well, let's have a squirrel exterminator come out and take a look. 
guy comes out, looks in the attic where the missionaries had stored all their stuff before they went overseas. He's like, they turned it into a squirrel condo. I've never seen anything this bad before. And uh, they're coming in through the roof fence. So uh, his price to fix everything was super expensive. So I volunteered to do it. And the neighbor across the street suggested that I take off the roof fence and to cover them with hardware cloth, which is mesh wire, and then put new roof fence on. So I got up there and I replaced the roof fence. And uh, I, there was a squirrel in the tree and he was crying, or it was crying because it couldn't get back in. Um, had the trap. Uh, trapped one, two, three, four, five, six. Just kept trapping one after another that were uh, in the house. So removed them from the premises. And uh, the neighbor across the street said, yeah, when I trapped them, uh, when I put up uh, a barrier to keep them from getting in, they were on the window screens trying to chew their way in. It was like a horror movie, The Day of the Squirrels. So the people who lived in the house before us became comfortable with something that should not be. Became comfortable with something that was invasive, something that was destructive, something that needed to be resisted and removed. So alone, we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about saying we're not gonna worry about resisting that destructive temptation. We're not gonna worry about resisting that difficulty. Uh, we're just gonna give in because it's easier, because it's more comfortable, because it doesn't take any any work. So sometimes temptation comes from within. Sometimes it's our own selfish desire that's within. Uh, Mark 7, 21. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and have sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Satan's looking for an opportunity to take these evil thoughts, these difficulties, things, these things in your heart, and to use it, to turn it into an action, to try to destroy your life, to try to um, make it so that you don't feel uh, worthy to approach the Lord. You don't feel worthy to serve the Lord. You don't feel worthy to try to reach lost people so that they would be saved from the penalty of their sin, to rescue them from uh from hell, uh, to live a life that um, would help them to follow Jesus. Uh, Satan wants to do everything he can to make us feel unworthy, to accuse us once we fall into that sin, uh, to broadcast our sinfulness, and to try to destroy our lives. He's an accuser. Uh, he lies, he tricks us, he tempts us and says, it's okay, everybody's doing it, nobody cares. And then once we give in, then he accuses us and says, God doesn't want to have anything to do with you now, you wicked, stupid sinner. Hmm. There's an old saying that says, sin will make you stray further than you thought you'd stray. Sin will make you stay longer than you thought you'd stay. Sin will make you pay much more than you thought you'd pay. That definitely happens. It happened with Adam and Eve. Uh, Eve and the temptation of Eve. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So, um, I don't know how it tasted. Did it taste as good as they thought? I mean, they were forbidden from eating it. So sometimes when things are forbidden, then you really want to try it. It's like, oh, what's so good about it? But uh, they gave in to that temptation and ate the forbidden fruit. And temptation is enticing. It appeals to your hopes and desires. It's enjoyable because it promises you immense pleasure. It's evasive because it evades the truth with excuses. It's enslaving. It ensnares your mind and emotions. 
It's escalating. It multiplies your appetite for more. It's elusive. It fails to produce what was promised. And it's exclusive. It restricts your relationship with God. 2 Peter 2.19 says, They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. A slave to whatever controls you. What controls you? Uh, Some people are controlled by alcohol and addiction. So I choose not to drink. So I haven't had any alcohol for ages. Um, Since maybe I was like 18, I had some, quote, friends that thought it'd be really fun to get me drunk. So one night I gave in and uh, I learned that you don't drink beer and Doritos because they revisit you in the middle of the night. So anyway, uh, just recently, our neighbors next to our ministry center, uh, the brewery restaurant, uh, they're really nice. They offered me a beer passport, which is something where you try a different type of beer and they stamp the passport. And I shared with them that the Bible doesn't, you know, forbid uh, drinking, but uh, it does have some warnings. And uh, so it's not a sin to drink, but I choose not to. And I definitely wasn't condemning what they were doing or selling. But, uh, you know, I just don't want to open that door. I'm afraid that I might like it. I'm afraid uh, of turning into people that I've seen that have alcohol addiction problems. So I just don't want to open that door. And I don't want to be a stumbling block for someone else that says, Hey, um, Pastor Chris is drinking. I, I can drink too. So I choose not to open that door. I don't want to be controlled by that. It's easier to say no to temptation when you proclaimed uh, no. When you made a decision, no. When you tell people no. So uh, anyway, uh, but God can help us overcome temptation. This is the most important verse in the whole Bible about temptation, I think. So the most important promise that we need to memorize and we need to um, run to, hang on to in time of temptation. So I've already shared how you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you are a Christ follower, if you are saved, if you're a child of God and When I say that, some people are like, everybody's a child of God. No, they're all creations of God, but only uh, people who are adopted uh, through being saved by Jesus Christ. uh, To as many as received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those are adopted into God's family. So if you're a true child of God, then this is true for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So when there is temptation coming your way and you feel like you're going to give in to sin, you don't have to say, oh, there wasn't anything I could do about it. No, because it says that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So look for the way out. Sometimes he gives you strength to stand up underneath it. Sometimes you can't run away when it happens in your workplace. Other times you can flee, you can run, you can get out of there. Um, uh, Pray about it. Look for opportunities to escape. Number two, resist every temptation like Jesus. Resist every temptation like Jesus. You're like, what? Jesus was tempted? 
Yes, it's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to give in to temptation. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So when you're struggling with sin, you can pray about that. You can tell Jesus about it. He is able to understand. He's been through hard, difficult things too. He's been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. He did not give in. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan, by the devil, before he begins, Jesus begins his public ministry. Okay, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus responded with scripture, he says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When I read this, I wonder how many people have been sidetracked by one of the devil's temptations to give them some kind of kind of authority or splendor that the world has to offer, and they take that instead of serving the Lord the way that Lord wanted them to. Um, instead of being faithful, they chose to be comfortable or they chose to pursue these worldly things, and they give into that temptation. And will they have an opportunity to? Uh, take back all that God had planned for them, or have they made a decision that will keep them from um, fully uh, experiencing all that God could have had for them if they were faithful to say no to the devil's temptations in their life. So Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we need to do that, to take scripture, to memorize scripture, and then to use that to fight off temptation, to use that in the time of tempting or testing to stand strong. So let's consider Eve, Jesus, and your temptation. So with Eve's temptation, which I already read in Genesis chapter 3, Satan enticed Eve to disobey God and act independently of God's will. Satan tempted Eve to act on her physical desire to taste what is good. Satan tempted Eve through her natural desire to have what is pleasing to the eye. And Satan tempted Eve by appealing to her need for significance and her prideful desire to be like God. Jesus' temptation in Matthew 4, which I just read. Satan enticed Jesus to act for himself independently of his father. Satan tempted Jesus to meet his own physical needs and to turn stones into bread. Satan tempted Jesus by displaying something unusually desirable, showing him all the kingdoms of the world. Satan tempted Jesus by seeking to get him to prove his own significance by saying, if you are the son of God. Our temptation, 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
Satan entices us to act independently of God and to attempt to meet our own needs. Satan tempts us to follow our physical desires, the lust of the flesh. Satan tempts us to go after what is visually desirable, the lust of the eyes. Satan tempts us through our desire for personal significance, the pride of life. And we're told to resist him, Satan, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout this world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering in 1 Peter 5, 9. So in response to each offer by Satan, Jesus quoted the word of God. He established the pattern we are to follow. Victory comes when you learn to stand on truth and on the promises of God. And the Holy Spirit helps us when we walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, uh, and then consider the consequences of giving into temptation. Consider the consequences of giving into temptation. 2 Timothy 2.19-22 God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Again, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Then it says, So, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So that thing that we really want to be used by God that I mentioned in the beginning is going to be required required for us to turn away from evil and to run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts um, and to pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace and spending time with other Christians. When we give into temptation, it can destroy our relationship with other Christ followers. It can destroy um, our confidence in serving the Lord. It can really set us back or um, disqualify us from what God could do with our lives if we were to live a way that was pleasing to Him. We need to just realize that God sees everything that we do. Just realize that God knows our hearts. Just realize that there really isn't anything that we can do that we can get away with. So uh, today on uh, a neighborhood Facebook group, uh, people were sharing, I think it was in this area, people were sharing surveillance camera videos of uh, this guy stealing packages from their houses. So they're all showing uh, the same uh, person in uh, in a white uh, Chrysler Pacifica van uh, driving around stealing packages that have been delivered off of people's steps in front of people's houses. So does this person not know that he's being picked up on people's doorbell cams and surveillance cams and window cams and all these cameras that people have? We should just assume that people can see everything that we do and know everything that we do and uh, assume that uh, we might be being tested to see if we're going to do what's right, to see if we're going to be faithful. More than once, I believe, uh, somebody at a store has given me the wrong change to see if I'm going to come back and tell them that I received the wrong change and make it right. So um, usually I catch it. Sometimes though I'm just distracted. I'm not paying attention. I probably walk away and they think, oh, he's a cheat. Where actually I didn't realize. I'm like, I wasn't really paying attention. I just kind of trusted you to give me the right change. So 
Anyway, be careful what you do because not only does God see, but if you do something that's real bad, you might end up on someone's YouTube video and be seen by millions. In the Biblical Counseling Manual, there's a formula for self-control, and I wanted to share that with you. It says a new purpose plus a new priority plus a new plan equals a transformed life. So it says, choose to reflect the character of Christ for those God foreknew who also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, Romans 8.29. Choose to exchange your old habit for a new habit. And that Romans 12, 2, that Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Choose to rely on Christ's strength, not your own strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength, Philippians 4, 13. And choose to appropriate God's gift of self-control. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed, 1 Peter 1, 13. So an illustration they used was uh, on dieting or on hunger, hooked on hunger. A new purpose. I want to reflect self-control through my eating and my appearance. A new priority. I will replace my overeating with healthy eating habits. A new plan. I will rely on Christ's strength, not mine. I plan to shop for healthy foods, to remove any tempting to remove any tempting foods from my home, to eat small portions of healthy food, to refuse fattening foods, to eat healthy snacks, to drink plenty of fluids, to avoid tempting situations and opportunities, to get involved in enjoyable projects when tempted like exercise, hobbies, reading, etc., to be accountable to a friend each week, and to memorize and claim pertinent scriptures like 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So an example of how you can overcome temptation by creating new habits. All right, it's time for communion. So um, in just a minute, we're going to grab our communion stuff. So maybe you want to pause me right now, go get your communion stuff, and then come right back. So I'll wait. I'll pause this. I'm not going to have you sit there and watch me wait. That would be weird for me to sit here, especially if you're not waiting. Maybe you're not ready to go. So, all right, communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. It's a time for us to remember what Jesus did on the cross for our sins and to remember that he's going to come again. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is so exciting that the Lord is going to return, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he offered his body, he shed his blood so that we could be saved. We need to remember that. We need to tell other people that. Then it says in verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. So this is a great time for us to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any sin in our life, to ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that has put us outside of God's will and to confess that. 1 John 1.8 If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is not in us. 
So this is a great opportunity for us to pray and ask the Lord to show if there's anything in our life that is sinful, if there's anything in our life that needs to be changed. Because yes, we are forgiven of our sin, of the past, the sins of today and the sins of tomorrow. But if we want to live in fellowship with the Lord, if we can confess those things that we're, we've done wrong, those temptations we've given into, those things that we shouldn't have done, if we can confess that to the Lord. Maybe we need to confess that to someone else. But just so many things we can do. Uh, while the music plays, uh, why don't you uh, just go to the Lord in prayer. And when you're done with praying, why don't you take some time to praise Him? So uh, maybe you just want to, uh, on your remote or your uh, phone or whatever, just hit the pause button. Uh, just hit the pause button. Uh, spend some time with the Lord and then come back and we'll take communion together. All right, I've got my communion stuff here. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity to proclaim you, even though it's on video. And I pray that you would uh, just draw who's ever watching close to you. I pray that you would um, just show them uh, how much you love them and care for them. Jesus, I thank you so much that you died on the cross, that you were pierced for our transgressions. Lord, that you shed your blood, that you made it possible for our sins to be washed away as white as snow. Jesus, I thank you that we can hear about you and know you. I thank you that we have this opportunity to uh, live for you, to pursue you, uh, to be saved and tell others how to be saved. I thank you for the message you've given us in your holy word, the Bible. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you promise that you're going to return again. And those would be great days for us who believe in you, terrible days for those who have rejected you. But Jesus, we just thank you so much, and we take this, and we eat. We eat from the bread, and we drink from the cup. So back to Hebrews 4, 15, that I shared earlier. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus loves us and cares for us. So no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what kind of mess you've created, no matter what kind of sin you found yourself in, Jesus offers you a new opportunity and a new start. You may not be able to fix the penalties uh, in this life for what you've done, but he surely can give you a great heaven to give you a great eternity. So uh, even if you find yourself a prisoner um, from your crime or a prisoner uh, from other things, Jesus can set you free on the inside. And maybe, miraculously, he might even be able to set you free uh, so that you can come out of that prison that you're in. If you're really in a prison, Anyway, next week, victory over failure. Victory over failure. How can we pray for you? Let us know how we can pray for you, or uh, let us know if we've encouraged you somehow. But if you go to riverrockchurch.com pray, that would be awesome. Uh, you can listen or watch other messages at riverrockchurch.com watch. And you can um, give online at riverrockchurch.com give. So um, would you pray with us and uh, prepare for beyond today? Uh, soon this COVID will soon be passed. 
uh, this whole COVID thing will be past us and we will be uh, reaching out. Uh, hopefully we'll have our own building. Hopefully we'll be able to reach more people and have better programs than we ever had before. But um, just uh, think about uh, how God can use you and then prepare to be used because there will be a day in the very near future where we'll be, we will be free to do whatever we want to do and go wherever we want to go and we should use this opportunity to sharpen the saw to prepare for future ministry to gain new tools and new skills. So uh, I heard of a church that used to have thousands come and uh, only have hundreds coming now. I guess only 30% of the people have actually returned, but they're doing a lot on video. And uh, so we are also doing a lot on video. Uh, if you uh, want to come to our ministry center, we're often having a watch party there with a few people that show up to watch the video and to pray uh, and to uh, encourage one another. Um, that's usually at Sunday, usually Sunday at 10 a.m. at our ministry center at 124 West Main Street. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.